All right. Good morning, everybody. Man, I'm ex- all right. I'm excited about the word. You excited about the word, Daniel? All right. <laughs> That's awesome, man. You make me happy. Does how many here, Daniel or Relay, makes them happy? If you don't, if you're not happy when you come to church, find him. Wave your, wave your hand and just talk to him for a moment, and you will you will be happy. You can't be with this fella. I'm sorry. I love it. I love it. But man, it's good to have you. I want you to open your Bibles this morning to Colossians, little book in the New Testament, little book in the New Testament toward the end there, Colossians, and we'll get to that in a moment. But this is a good time of year. It's a good time of year, Bruce, right? Good time of year for a lot of things. Tonight is most essentials. Please come out. If you have only done one or two sessions already of the old format, come out and you'll have it knocked out in one night. Isn't that good? And you'll get to eat food and it's awesome. And, 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 and we want you to be there. And so there's child care and everything provided for you. So come out tonight, 5 to 8. If you're a guest or new to us, you know, and you're just kind of kicking the tires on this place, curious about a lot of things, man, show up, and that way you'll get to know who we are, what we believe, all those kinds of things. A couple other things. Um, this Thursday is the National Day of Prayer. And I want to give real props to Mayor Henriquez, okay? Donnie, he's a wonderful man. And um, the group that normally organizes the National Day of Prayer, they've moved it to Canton. And Woodstock was just going to leave that be, and that's how that was, and, and no big deal. Well, I got a call about a week ago from Rhonda on behalf of, that's a city lady, on behalf of, of um, um, our mayor. And the mayor wants prayer in our town center, period, on National Day of Prayer. You got to give him honor and props for that. And so, yeah, I, I think that's something to give honor to. And so they've asked if I would organize that. And so we've lined up some pastors around the city, different groups, different people to come in for prayer. And so this Thursday at noon from 12 to 1240, it's over the lunchtime, we have a 40-minute window that the city's giving us for a prayer concert, if you will. And so we would love for you guys to come as many as you can. If you're working, if you can get off work or if you're on your lunch break, show up. And so that is this Thursday at 12. Sorry for the late notice, but like I said, it was kind of a late notice for us. Um, and so we're looking forward to being together with people in our community and different churches and pastors and, and um, churches. I think I said that. Um, the final thing is, we've already said it, but don't miss next week. All right? Mothers, listen. Guilt your man. All right? Guilt. Everybody say guilt. I'm telling you, guilt, nothing like hillbilly guilt, you know, guilt your man into coming next, next week, okay, get him here, and if you're, if you're a, a, a child, if you're a son, if you're a daughter, get your mamas here next week, all right, we've got a great, great surprise for you, and I, I cannot wait for next Sunday, and so, all right, <clears throat> along with the idea of this time of year, how many know school is about to let out, how many teachers in here? So you're pretty excited, aren't you, teachers? Can you give our teachers thanks for all they do? Amen. Yes. You want to choke your children, and half the time, your children are asleep when they're with you, right? All day long, they're not asleep when they're with these teachers, and so give honor to these teachers, I'm telling you. But, but school is almost out. How many students do we have here? All right, you guys ready for school to be out? As school is about to get out, what's going to happen is you start to get your report cards in the mail. You start to get... Don't you? You start to get your little grade cards. And, and how many was an expert at, like, at, at forgery when you were a kid? Jim, I bet you were. I bet you were. Yeah, his face is turning red. Yeah, that grade card comes, and you realize, oh, my goodness, you know. And the thing is, at times in life, we can feel like we're being graded in life. And can I just say something real quick here? The Bible, right here, what we have before us, this letter from God to us, this Bible is not a grade card. 
Can you shout amen? amen? Aren't you glad this isn't a grade card? This isn't the report you get to tell you about how bad you are. That's not what this is. But you've been sold a bill of goods because a lot of people, unchurch folk especially, they've been told that. They feel as if the things of God, the church, the Bible, all that stuff is there just to tell them how bad they are. Well, can I tell you right now, we have all failed the grade. Not one of us is going to pass. Amen? When it comes down to it, when it comes to commitment, I'm sorry, at times your pastor gets a C. And when it comes to devotion, at times your pastor gets a D. And when it comes to faithfulness, yeah, these all, um, yeah, yeah, <laughs> preachers are looking at me like, yeah, I see what you're doing. When it comes to faithfulness, I get an a A. No, I'm, I, I get an F. I get an F. Yeah, yeah. And so do you at times, you know. And um, But the thing, listen to this. The test of your life, though, it's awesome because it's graded on a curve. It's graded on a curve. Now, when I say that, if you're a teacher, you know what that means. That means that the school students there are struggling, and so you've got to bring the standard of achievement a little bit down in the test to try to get a new measurement for success. You know what I'm saying? And so that's grading a test on a curve. And so you kind of lower that level, and that becomes the new standard of achievement. Listen, in our case, the curve is the exact opposite. The standard got high, and the standard stays high, right? How in the world can I live up to this standard? There's no way I can pass this test. How do I do it? But the test has been graded on a curve. It's just a little bit different in the way that it's been graded, the way that it's been done. Yes, the standards got high. It's got so high that I'll never be able to pass the test. So guess what? Someone took the test for me. How many ever cheated on a test? Come on. Some of you? All right. <laughs> and the rest of you are liars. Okay. <laughs> This is why we need Jesus. This is why you've already got an F, a pass, a failed grade. And so, no, no, many people have cheated. Man, the thing is, we've got this great cheat, if you will, this great thing, if you will. It's not a thing, it's a person, it's Jesus. And the learning curve, oh my gosh, I can't pass the test. He's already passed the test for me. And because of that, this is no longer a grade card. It's not a grade card. I've already passed the test. Shout that, say, I've passed the test. Let's stand to our feet. I'm excited about this word today. I'll tell you why I'm excited about this word today. I'm excited about this word today because a few weeks ago, this was in my heart, and as it started to germinate, I'm like, God, this may not be for everybody, but this is going to be for a few people. And in the first service, we had a woman come to faith in Christ for the first time in her life. Isn't that awesome? What was so cool, remember I said this week on Facebook, invite your lost friends, invite people. And so a woman in our church said to her massage therapist, if you'll go, go to church with me on Sunday. She said, if you go to the gym with me, I'll go to church with you. And so they did that. And that woman came to church this morning and gave her life to Jesus. Woo! Isn't that cool? And so listen, if you're here this morning and you've been feeling as if there's no way I could ever pass the test or ever make the grade, there's no way because this grade card is too difficult. This is your day. Jesus is going to speak to you today and give you hope today, amen? And you're going to leave here a changed person. And if you've come in miserable in your Christianity, you're going to leave here smiling, knowing that you've already passed the test because of Jesus, amen? 
That's what it says in Colossians. It says, And you being dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, he has made alive together with him, having forgiven you all trespasses. This is speaking of those who have put their faith in Jesus. Christians, those who have put their, their trust in God, now they're no longer dead in their trespasses. Their hearts have been circumcised. In other words, the flesh has been dealt with, and they're made alive with Jesus. And those trespasses have been forgiven. Say, have been forgiven. Love it. Past tense. I love that. Watch. Having wiped out the handwriting of requirements that was against us, which was contrary to us, and he has taken it out of the way, having nailed it to the cross, having disarmed principalities and powers, he had made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them in it. Let's pray. Father, I ask that today you would just stir our hearts, allow us to leave this place full of hope and confidence in you, Jesus. And we love you for that. In your name we pray. Amen. Go ahead and have your seat. As you take your seat, you look at this passage of Scripture, and it says that there's some handwritings that are against us. There's some letters, if you will, that are against us. There's some failed grades in your life that are against us. And we see that Christ goes to the cross, and it says here that those letters that were against you, that handwriting that was against you, it's nailed to the cross. Now, two things. Some people think what that means is that the Old Testament is done away with, and that the Old Testament is the law that was written against us, and that the law is nailed to the cross. And those people are wrong. Okay? That's not, that's not what it's saying. The law is good. The Bible says it's like honey. It's sweet. It's good. It, it'll strengthen you. The law is not a bad thing, but you won't measure up to the law. So in your lack of being able to measure up, guess what? You are guilty. The handwriting that is against you is your sins, your faults, your shortcomings, everything that you've ever messed up, past, present, and thank God future, okay? Past, present, and thank God future, all those things have been nailed to the cross. Now, when it came to the Roman cross, they would nail a few things to that cross, and normally the thing they would nail would have two items on it. It would have the name of the person that's being crucified, and it would have their crime. Let's think about Jesus, right? Jesus of Nazareth, that's the name, and then the crime, king of the Jews. Now, Caesar could have written on there, rebellious, zealot, you know, or something coming against the, the, the establishment, but I think what they call that tyranny or something to that effect, but he, they didn't. He, he, he kind of gave a little nod, a little, a little tease back to the Jews and said king of the Jews, but that's what it was. It was his crime. He was saying that he was king, they felt. And so they're going to kill him. For you, I don't know what it might be. It might be Bruce Weeks. Reprobate. <laughs> Couldn't think of anything. You're so holy, I can't think of one thing. I'll use me. Ross Wiseman, gambler, you know. There's a season in my life where, man, I loved it, man. Lived to do it for a good portion of my life. I loved that. That was so much fun, you know. It may be somebody else that's here in this room where it's their name and whatever it might be, you know. And so with that, that name, that's, that, that's who you are, and you're failing grade. This is how you have failed. But here's what's beautiful about this. It says that it is nailed to the cross. Now, is that handwriting literally nailed to the cross? No, it's figuratively, it's symbolically. But all that you have done is called sin, and all that sin is wrapped up in Jesus. And when Jesus was nailed to the cross... The handwriting that was against you, that list, that, that whole list of your failures went on the cross with him. 
When I was a kid in the church, they would sing a song. He knew me, yet he loved me when he was on the cross. I was on his mind. Oh, I love that. When I was a kid, I'm thinking, are you kidding me? I messed up so much stuff. But when you were on the cross, I was on your mind. All that was written against Ross Wiseman was nailed on the cross. That stuff Amy says about me was nailed on the cross. Come on, somebody. But listen, there was a letter of your life that was filled with your wrongdoings, a letter of your life that was filled with failing grades, filled where you had, had messed things up, and that day you gave your life to Jesus. Jesus, that thing was already nailed on the cross. In Scripture, I want you to open your Bibles to John chapter 8. We see a story of a woman who had so much written against her, so much that was burdening her so much that she would feel as if, how in the world can I be anything but the sinner that I am? And really, that's what it comes down to. I think there's a lot of people in the church that at times they'll look at the Bible and go, how can I ever measure up? So why even try? And God is saying, you already measure up. So live. Be. Have your being in him. Isn't that good? Oh, pastor, you're preaching greasy grace. No, I'm not. I, I, you know your pastor. I don't believe that grace is a slide that we go, I'm saved. Woo! Anything goes, you know. I believe grace is a, a, a ladder. And that ladder leans on the cross. And grace gives us an opportunity there at the foot of the cross to take a few steps up and get a vantage point and go, oh, this is what real living is all about. And then take another couple steps, and oh, I slip and I stumble. And next thing you know, shoo, you slide back down. But you don't get any farther than the foot of the cross. Come on. And now you're at the base of the cross, and there's an invitation to climb again. Amen? Amen. I love that. I've been trying to get Amy to let me get a big tattoo that says grace on it with a, with a, a ladder. And, and I almost got her talked into it. But, but I just love the picture of that. The Lord gave me that one time in a, while I was preaching. Just the picture of a, of a ladder leaning against the cross and an invitation to climb climb higher so no no we climb higher i'm not saying that we don't strive to live holy and right and pure before god it's just the motivation isn't fear motivation is love the motivation isn't trying to find acceptance we already are accepted and so it comes from a whole different place and so here this story we see in john chapter 8 a woman who has a failing grade Definitely has got an F in this moment. It says, Jesus went to the Mount of Olives. Let me stop there, all right? He's getting ready to go to temple. He's getting ready to have this engagement with the religious people of the day that just made him sick, okay? And so before he goes into this, in a sense, a battle with these guys, before he goes into this, guess where he goes? The Mount of Olives. You know, the Mount of Olives, those olives would be actually pressed and used as the anointing oil in the temple services. And some people would even call it the Mount of the Anointed. I love that, the Mount of the Anointed. Before Jesus went, he was 100% man and 100% God. That 100% man needed a touch from God. And before he experienced his day, he got into a place where he walked in the anointing. Amen? He got into a place where he was able to experience the presence of God, and God got him ready for the jerks he was going to deal with that day. Amen? That's good right there. And so it goes on and it says, Early in the morning he came to the temple, 
And all the people came to him, and he sat down and he taught them. The scribes and the Pharisees brought a woman who had been caught in adultery, and placing her in the midst, they said to Jesus, Teacher, this woman has been caught in the act of adultery. Now in the law, Moses commanded us to stone such a woman. So what do you say? So we see the story of a woman with a failed grade, if you will. She has been caught in the act of adultery. Now listen, the act of adultery, it doesn't say that she had committed adultery. I'm saying they caught her in the middle of it, right? A couple things I think of when I think of that, getting caught in the middle of it, all right? The first thing that comes to my mind is that she's in the very act of something sinful. This woman was not at a Momentum Church journey group. You got me? Okay. She was full on in the midst of something extremely sinful, but she was caught in adultery. That means there was somebody else involved, right? It's kind of having, hard to have an adulterous relationship by yourself. There's a lot of sins you can do by yourself. Adultery is not one of them. Okay. So she was, there was somebody else present, but we don't see nothing about that person, do we? But oh, she has a failed grade. She's thrown into this mix, this situation. And so she's caught and she's brought in. And the Bible says here that they place her in the midst. They place her in the midst. If you look up this word in the Greek, it literally is speaking of two camps. In the Old Testament, it would speak of camps, being between the camp of the Philistines and the camp of the Israelites. And they were in the midst of the camps. It's the same word but used in the Greek in the New Testament. And it just means that they placed her between two camps, if you will. They placed her between Jesus and the religious. Between Jesus, who only could see her best, and the religious, who all they wanted to do was point out her worst. In the midst, between two camps, between the religious and between Jesus. For you, it might be between the world and between your Savior. The world has a draw and a pull, and it's trying to keep you out. And it's trying to tell you you'll never pass muster. Why even try? And it pulls you away from the one that has everything to offer you. But you find yourself between two camps. Say, between two camps. And so right there in the middle of that, the religious begin to blow out accusation against her to Jesus. And listen, the religious will always try to fail you. You'll never be good enough for the religious. Or at least the perception they put on the outside. You'll never be good enough for that, right? And so the thing about the religious is this. There's an ugly side to religion. Something ugly. And this is what it is. Religion will say to one, you're unworthy, and to another, you're okay. In this situation, where's the dude? If he was caught, because they were caught in adultery, there's got to be a dude, right? But all there is is a daughter. There's no dude, there's just a woman. And she gets drugged before Jesus, and let's stone her. Well, where's the other person? Religion's always selective. That's how religion works, right? It's selective grace. Say selective grace. And so what religion will say is good for one. You're unworthy or you're worthy, but you're not worthy. You're okay, but you're not okay. Your sins don't keep you from fellowship, but your sins keep you from fellowship. How you are or dress or act doesn't relate into our church. And so you can't come, but oh, you sure can come. (laughs) Makes me sick to my stomach. Right? Anybody get sick when you think about that? Good. Good. I hope so, you know? And so when it comes down to it, we've got to be a people that lean toward the camp of Christ more so than the camp 
of the religious Pharisees. Amen? As a church, I believe we've always been that. Again, not greasy grace. Hold a high standard of the Word of God in our lives. Amen? We want to live up to the standard of the Word of God in our lives. Not greasy grace, but man, a grace place. Amen? And in this grace place, a few years ago, there was a young man named Ken Levingston. (laughs) This is my buddy Jeff here. And Jeff has a cousin who passed a week and a half ago. 45 years old, died in his bed of a heart attack. Sweetheart of a man. It's their cousin, too. This is all family right here. Not you guys. Jim's adopted. Jim's adopted. Jim's adopted. So what happened was Ken was in jail, you know. Ken got out of jail, and he's living on, on Jeff's couch. And, and I can't remember if um, I went up and picked him out of jail the first time or, or if you got him out of jail the first time. That's what it was. I went up to the jail when he got out. Never met him before. Got him out of jail. Got him down to Aunt Becky's, you know. And then, and then after a period of time, you know, he starts coming to Momentum Church. And then he needs to see... Per- that's what it was. That's why. I'll tell you another thing Jeff did that was awesome. When this young man was a boy, <laughs> not much of a boy. You were like 22 maybe. When he was young, Jeff said, because he was working for him, he goes, I'll pay you your paycheck when you show up at church on Sunday. <laughs> so every... <laughs> so, <laughs> poor Jonathan. So every week he had to come to church to get his paycheck. <laughs> but where's Jonathan at now? <laughs> I love that. That's good stuff right there. So, but, but basically, I remember taking Ken up another couple times to see his parole officer, and we took time with Ken. Not me, the whole church did. We all love Ken, you know? And we got a call one Sunday afternoon that Ken wanted to come to Jesus, and he's a natural kind of guy, and so he wanted to do it at a lake. And so he went down to the lake and, and gave his life to Jesus, and it changed him forever. That's been eight years ago, maybe, I'm guessing. Long time, you know? And, um, ah, he's left too soon. But that kind of guy, most environments would look at it, and they just wouldn't feel as if he could ever arrive at anything. Man, he left this place, went back to Louisiana where he's from, on a spiritual high, and he parlayed that into a relationship at a good church, and and on and on and on and on and on and on you go. You know, powerful, I love it. And so with that, we don't have selective grace. Where do we learn not to have selective grace? We learn it through Jesus, all right? And in this story, we see number two, we see failed grades, but number two, we see Jesus stoops. Jesus stoops. Watch this. I love this. It says, this they said to test him, that they might have some charge to bring against him. And Jesus bent down, and he wrote with his finger on the ground. Jesus bent down, and he began to put letters in the sand. I don't know what exactly those letters might have been, but he began to write in the dirt. Jesus has no problem stooping to where you are and getting into the dirt of your life. Amen? Those religious, remember the two camps? Those religious, they're standing. But Jesus, he's stooping. Those religious, they're standing, looking down their nose, calling out for her to be stoned right in this moment. But Jesus, he's stooping, humbling himself before her, doing something, a work. Ah, so good. And so I want you to think, where am I at? Where, where are you right now? Are you leaning toward the camp of Jesus or is that religious group, that, that, that lie of the enemy holding you back from God's best? And that could be the camps too, if you think about it. It may not be the religious. The camp could just be the lie of Satan, the lie of the enemy saying you'll never be anything. You'll never rise up and be who God called you to be. You'll never do what God's called you to do. Amen? And so Jesus, he stoops down. Jesus has no problem getting in the dirt with us. 
I've heard people say this, I'll come to Jesus when I get cleaned up a little bit. When I stop this and stop that, then I'll come to Jesus. And I get the picture of that. And God bless your little wrong heart, okay? I'm serious. You're, you're precious. Look at me, precious. Sweet. I'm serious. Sweet, sweet, dumb as a rock, sweet. But no, we've all thought that. You know, I'll do this when this. Oh, no, no, he stoops. He, when he was on the cross, you were on his mind already. God demonstrated his love toward you in that while yet you were still a sinner, Christ died for you. Already he's got plans and provisions for you. Amen. And so don't let that hold you back. I had a woman come up to me after church today. And she said, Pastor, do you remember telling me so many years ago, and I don't remember telling her this. She said, do you remember telling me I was going through my divorce, and when I was going through the divorce, I was serving with kids ministry. And I wanted to put it aside, and I said to you, Ross, I can't serve in that area because look at my life. I'm going through a divorce. How in the world can I serve kids? And she said, you looked at me and said, don't put yourself on a shelf. And she said, over and over through the years, I've reminded myself, don't put yourself on a shelf. Don't put yourself on a shelf. God used that woman. God continues to use that woman. God used that woman, brought her a good man, not the schlep that she did have. And I'd say that to his face and actually have. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm just being honest. I'm a bulldog. I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a sheepdog, right? So when somebody does you wrong, if I have a chance, I'm going to let them know. In the love of Jesus. But I told him the poor excuse of a man he was. But that's, that's, that's a whole nother, I'm sorry, that's a whole nother story. And she's got her deliverance, hallelujah. And the man she's been with for years now, good, godly man. And she serves one of our best journey group hosts, amazing person. And she just come and she said, tell, you can tell my story what that meant, you know. It breaks my heart when I hear people say that. We've got a woman right now that called us a few weeks ago. Pastor, we need you guys to pray for us. She sent us a note. You need us to pray for us because right now we're going through a lot as a family. And I just, I'm not in a place where I, I feel like my, I can pray. I need you guys to pray. Well, here's the story. I know what the story is. They haven't been in church in months. They're not in the Word, busy, busy, going to this, doing that. Just such faith has become something over here. And now in the moment of crisis, I don't feel worthy to call on my Jesus. But I know that's who I need to call on, so I need you guys to call on him for me. And it broke my heart. None of us are worthy. Honey, call on your Jesus. He will rush to you in that moment. It's not going to hold that over and against you. Amen? He sees his daughter hurting. Lean toward the camp of Christ. Don't, don't let this stuff pull you away. And obviously we prayed for her. We interceded for her, you know, and the family. But oh, it just broke my heart. And what it is is when it comes down to things like that, <clears throat> the devil just wants to get you stuck in the middle, you know? Not leaning toward the God of grace not going back into the world, but just finding yourself feeling, who am I? What can I do? What can I accomplish? Who can I be? And we find ourselves caught in the middle because we think this is a grade card, you know? Number three, we see what happens in this story. I love Jesus just ignores their accusations. Watch this. And as they continued to ask him, he stood up and he said to them, let him who is without sin among you be the first to throw a stone at her. And once more he bent down and he began to write in the ground. He began to write in the ground. I love it. He just ignored their accusations, stood up and said, all right, I, I get it. I get it. And he leans down and starts writing, writing letters in the sand again. You know, you know the devil, one of the definitions of the devil is accuser. Did you know that? Accuser. 
He's the accuser of the brother. Always saying what you aren't. Never seeing what you can be. Always saying what you won't be. Never saying what you will be. Always pointing out the negative, negative, negative things. Never ever proclaiming that God's favor and grace is upon you, not because of you, but it's upon you because of Jesus. Amen? The enemy loves to do that because he wants you to get stuck in the middle or turn your back on this camp of grace and begin to go back into the world. He would love that. How many you've had lies spoken over your life from the enemy? Raise your hand. Be honest. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Definitely. definitely. Now, let's just get it out of the enemy's hands. People, there's folks that have told you you can't and won't, right? Negative, negative, negative people. Negative, 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 negative. Hate it. Do you know why they're negative? Because they're negative. I'm serious. Just negative. Just, ah, choke you in your negativeness. No, I wouldn't do that. Maybe. All right. <laughs> but the negativity, it's telling you what you can't do and who you can't be. And sometimes you need to just ignore the accuser. Come on. Jesus ignored the accusers and began writing these letters in the sand. And what I love about it is he starts to write the letters in the sand. I don't know what he wrote. I've often thought this, though. I've often thought because none of the dudes were there. I mean, the dudes were there, but none of them are being accused. So I often thought, hmm, okay. You want to speak against this woman. Now, this woman has heard these voices everywhere she goes. I guarantee it. She's walking through town. She's the one that's with Mike. Mm-hmm. They're, mm-hmm. Oh, I know. I saw him coming out of Dale's house, too. You know, <laughs> bless her heart. Right? Right? All the voices of accusation. You know? But you don't hear anybody going, one thing about Dale and and Bob and Bruce, I'm teasing Bruce. <laughs> you, don't, you don't hear one, one word out of line about them fellas, right? Not one thing. Not one thing. So Jesus, this is my thought. I just have a feeling Jesus let down, got in the dirt. Hmm. Bob, B. <laughs> oh, B. And Bob looks over like, oh, Lord. You know? And then the next one, you know? Um, we need some more names like back then. Zedekiah. You know? That's a long one. <laughs> That's a little bit long. You know? But here, watch what happens. The reason why I'm saying that is, watch this. I love it. It goes, it says this. It says, but when they heard it, they went away one by one. <laughs> it's like, that's my name. I'm out of here. <laughs> you know? Just, that's, that's just a little bit of um, preaching license there. It may not be true. But it says, beginning with the older ones, and Jesus was left alone with the woman standing before him. Number four here as we close, guilty until proven innocent. In our culture, we're innocent until proven guilty. But truth of the matter is, each and every one of us in this room, we are guilty. We may not be guilty of adultery, but we're guilty. And we've been brought before the King of kings and the Lord of lords, and we're not holy and we're not righteous on our own. And there's things that he could write, there's things that he could say against us. But he chooses to look to us with forgiveness as we come to him asking for that forgiveness. Isn't that awesome? And so when it comes down to it, um, <clears throat> this idea of being guilty until proven innocent, I think David says it best. He said that in my mother's womb, I was found with iniquity. You know, From the moment I was in that dark place, the seed of sin was birthed within me. And he would cry out, have mercy upon me, O God, according to your loving kindness. Blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity. He knew that he was guilty and needed to walk in innocence. He knew that, and he would go to God, and he would go to God, and he'd find his rest in worship to his Father. 
Amen? And what's beautiful is he would go to God, he would go to God. What's beautiful for us, Jesus, he has come to us. Amen? And he's humbled himself to the point of death on a cross so that we could go from guilty to innocent. And so it goes on and it says, Jesus stood up and he said to her, woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? I mean, all those guys were condemning her. Where are they? Have they not condemned you? And here's what she said. This is beautiful. She said, no one, Lord. No one, Lord. I have a feeling that was the first moment where that woman was just liberated. You know, everybody condemns me. Everybody looks down on me. Everybody sees me for what I'm not, not for what I could be. And in that moment, who condemns you, lady? And she looks and she goes, no one. Lord? Lord. What's Lord? That's, that's, I side with your camp. I follow you. You've gotten the dirt for me. You've ran off the accusers for me. Where else can I be but with you, Lord? And now in this moment, who condemns me? No one, Lord. Look at me, everyone. If you are divorced, who condemns you in this house? No one. God forgives. Time to move forward. Now listen, if you're married in this house, don't get divorced. We will help you. We'll take you through counseling, all right? But if you have gone through divorce, you are not some second-class citizen in the things of God. You still have an ability to be the person of God that he desires for you to be, amen? Who condemns you? And she says, no one, Lord. Ah, I don't know if she started running, but I, I, that, that blesses my heart just to think of this woman in that moment of deliverance. And he says, neither do I condemn you. Go, and from now on, sin no more. It's not greasy grace. Yes, this elevates us to live higher. Amen? We strive for that. Last week, I was tough on us. I said, we need to be people who live the word and go to church and serve and walk to be, strive to be holy after God. But we also should find rest in the fact that Jesus paid it all. It's a, it's, Ross, that's a crazy dichotomy. You're absolutely right. It is. It's the dichotomy of flesh and spirit. It's the dichotomy that I want to do what my spirit wants, but my flesh is still weak. I don't excuse the flesh, but I get empowered in the spirit through reliance on Jesus, through relationship on Jesus. Because truth of the matter is, when it comes down to it, you can't do enough, and you can't be good enough. That's why he took the test for you. Amen? I was guilty until proven innocent. I was. I was guilty. But listen, the proof of my innocence is the shed blood of Jesus. I was guilty. But he poured it all out for my guilt. And the handwriting that was against me was removed. It was nailed to the cross. It was dealt with, covered by the blood of Jesus. Our sins symbolically linked in with the body of Jesus, nailed to the cross. First Peter 2.24, He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed. You listen, some sins aren't sins because of appetite. Some sins are sins because of sickness. What do you mean, Ross? There's people in this room, your heart is sick. You need healing. And it creates an appetite for sin. But you need the healing in your heart. Amen? 
And this is saying, it's not just I'm coming to bring deliverance and, and get you to stop sitting. No, no, I'm coming to heal you. All the stuff of your sickness, mind sickness, heart sickness, flesh sickness, all that is wrapped up in Jesus and nailed to a cross so that you can be free. It says in 2 Corinthians 5.21, For our sake he made Jesus to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. You see that letter of debt that we owed God as a result of our sin? That is what was taken out of the way and nailed to the cross. That debt, that pain, that thing that demands to be stoned. And yes, it demands the sacrifice of death. But Jesus died the death. He took the test. That I don't have to worry about the test. Amen? I can just focus in on the testimony. God, this is what you've done in my life. I'm not perfect yet, but let me tell you what Jesus is doing in and through me. I haven't arrived yet, but let me tell you a little bit about what my Jesus is doing. Whew. So Jesus, he has in this book, he's written over your life words of grace, words of promise, words of love, words of hope, words of victory. These letters for you. This is not a grade card. This is a book full of letters written over your life telling you not who you aren't but who you are. Not what you can't do but what you can do. Amen? That's what this is. Telling you who you can be. And so today, if you would, bow your head, close your eyes. If you're here this morning, there's two camps. There's the camp of the religious. There's the camp of the world. There's the camp that keeps us away from the things of Jesus. And then there's Jesus. Ah, where do you find yourself in the midst of that camp? For those that are Christ followers already, the lie over your life may keep you far from walking in the best God has because you don't feel you deserve it. Listen, you deserve all that Jesus says you deserve. And that's life and life that's abundant, the Bible says. For others in this room, you don't have a relationship with Jesus. And you're torn in between two camps, what the world has to offer, what Jesus has to offer. What the religious has said and what you feel maybe you've bought into. I can't be a part of church because I can't be perfect. I can't be part of a church because everything in my life will have to change. And there will be things that change. But you've seen that as something that keeps you from Jesus' camp. Jesus is there in the dirt, ready to help you, strengthen you, and speak into your life that there is no condemnation in your life. If right now you want to come to faith in Jesus for the first time, or you need to rededicate your life. It's been a long time since you felt like you really served him. If that's you, if you would, we're not going to embarrass you, but hold up your hand. Hold up your hand. Anyone in his service would join that young woman in the first service. That you'd want to come to the things of Jesus to embrace that camp fully. Amen. Let's pray this. Say, Jesus, thank you for your grace. Jesus, let me live empowered by the knowledge that in you, I am already free, and I've already passed the test. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for joining us for this episode of Fuel for the Journey. For more information, please check out www.momentumchurch.tv.